Hello, and welcome to The Verge Podcast, a part of the college and career ministry at First Baptist Dallas. I'm Kyle Wilson, and it's a pleasure to be a part of your day. I want to personally invite you to join us at our college and career ministry any Sunday at 9.15 a.m. or Wednesday night at 7 p.m. For more information, check out firstdallas.org college. This podcast is a recording of our weekly Sunday teachings, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, let's do it. All right, well, I am so excited to be jumping into the book of James with you guys. This is really one of my favorite books uh, of the Bible because it's so practical. Um, And so there's just a lot of really good stuff in here. So let's just go ahead and jump right into some background information that's going to help you guys as we work through this book. The book of James is written uh, by what most people who would believe is the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, We put his name as James uh, in English, though in Hebrew and in Greek, the better translation would probably be uh, the name Jacob. He became the leader of the church in Jerusalem, which was the first Christian community. When Peter went out to start new churches, James, or Jacob, was the man who walked into this leadership position. And during James's or Jacob's 20 years of leadership, he guided the church through famine, through poverty and persecution. And the book of James is really his legacy of wisdom. So while this book is also technically an epistle or a letter, it's not like Paul's letter to the churches that would address specific problems within those communities. Rather, it's written to the 12 tribes in dispersion, meaning believers who were scattered out from Jerusalem uh, after the stoning of Stephen. This is one of the reasons why this book is so powerful, because it's challenging and encouraging to any and every community of faith, both in the past and the present. And this, t- this, uh, this book does not teach new theology. It seeks to challenge how the Christian reading it lives. Its main goal is that the followers of Christ would become truly wise by living out Jesus' summary of the scriptures, which is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so the book of James essentially opens here in chapter 1 with a roadmap for where it is going to take its reader throughout all of the pages. And so along the way, uh, through this first chapter, there are six points that it makes that are vital for Christians to recognize. So let's just go ahead, jump right in. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in dispersion. Greetings. Consider it great joy, my brothers, when you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should go and ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter, like A surging sea is driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all of his ways. The brother of humble circumstances should boast in his exaltation. But the one who is rich should boast in his humiliation because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises with its scorching heats and dries up the grass. Its flower falls off and its beautiful appearance is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will wither away while pursuing his activities. A man who endures trials is blessed, because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. 
no one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God. For God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then, after desire has conceived, it gets birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dearly loved brothers. Every generous act and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. With him there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. By his own choice, he gave us a new birth by the message of truth, so that we would be the first fruits of his creatures. And so again, there are six points that James is making here in this first chapter that will help us recognize what he's going to be discussing through the rest of the book. And the first has to deal with trials in verses 2 and 4. And the, the truth here is this. The point is, endurance through trials can make us perfect. Now the question begs to be asked, what are the various trials that Christians face? In the book of James, and to the original audience that uh, James or Jacob is writing to, this would have been hunger, no sense of security, pain, sorrow, injustice, even death. For us today in the 21st century living uh, where we are and participating in Christian community as we do, what are the trials that we face? Well, really, the same things as the people back then, but it could also be having no money to get your textbook having a difficult uh, relationship or friendship, uh, having issues arise at work. These are all trials that Christians, even today, are going through. Now, I can perceive a counter-argument that could be made here is, but what the Christians endured that are reading in the book of James, what they endured was so much worse than what we will ever go through, and you're right. But the book of James is not seeking to make us compare our struggles to others. It's teaching us a lesson about the heart of a Christian. You see, our hearts should always be one of endurance and perseverance toward hope and faith in Christ. I mean, read Romans 5, 1-5. It says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of glory. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The heart should always be one of endurance and perseverance that is going towards hope and faith in Christ. For an example, let's say you lost your dog. You have two options. You can go home and be sad that your dog's gone and do nothing about it. Or you could be active, go out and find it. One of these options requires nothing of you and it results in sorrow. The other one requires endurance and effort but produces joy once you find the lost dog. You see, when pain, affliction, and trials come into your life, you can sit alone and be the woe-is-me type of person It sees this as a personal attack and that life is never going to go your way. Or, you can see it as an opportunity to center your heart on Christ and mature in your faith. And when this type of reality, when this type of mindset, when this type of lifestyle is achieved, The book of James says that you and I will become mature 
and complete, lacking nothing. In other words, we will be perfect. Now, this word here, perfect, is very, very important in the book of James because it occurs seven different times. The word here is teleos, and it means wholeness. It means living a totally integrated life where your actions are always consistent with the values and beliefs that you've received from Jesus. And the reason why this is so important is because each and every one of us uh, really often live as fractured people with big inconsistencies within our character. So God is always on a mission to make us whole and perfected in him. And so this is why the book of James says, when we face trials of many kind, we count it as joy. Because we are in the process of being made whole by going through working with Jesus towards our own sanctification. The first thing that we have to see in the book of James is this, that endurance through trials can make us perfected. The second thing is about wisdom. In verses 5 through 8, we see that uh, James is encouraging people to ask God for wisdom. The, the truth here that's trying to be communicated is that God gives wisdom to those who seek it in faith. You see, wisdom is the ability to see hardships through a new perspective. True wisdom is choosing to believe that God is good despite our circumstances. You see, God desires to give us his wisdom and he does it without criticizing, is what it says there in verse 5. Uh, have you ever been told that there are no stupid questions in life, and then you end up asking a stupid question, like me as a fourth grader asking my PE teacher why softballs aren't soft? Uh, with God, he desires for us to come to him with questions, come to him asking for wisdom, because it shows the vulnerability of our hearts that want to be more like him. He doesn't criticize us or judge us. He desires for us to come to him and ask for wisdom. Although, just because we ask doesn't mean that we're going to attain the wisdom that we seek. The book of James more than once refers to the attitude of the heart being a driving force in our faith. Scripture says here that we ask in faith without doubting. Now, doubt in the modern sense is not a good translation of the Greek because uh, if we received wisdom, then that would overcome our doubt. If we can overcome it ourselves, then we wouldn't have a need for God's wisdom. No, when it says there in verse 6 that we should ask in faith without doubting, the better way to put this is let us ask in faith, free from divided motives or divisive attitudes. This is why such a person, it says, is like a raging sea. Their asking for calm waters of wisdom is in direct conflict with their enjoyment of the waves. It's like someone asking for wisdom in order to use it over or against someone. God is not going to honor that, but rather the humble heart coming before God and asking, might I have wisdom in order to look more like you and live my life more fully integrated around what your will is for my life? That is the one that God gives wisdom. So the second thing that the book of James is going to talk about is that God gives wisdom to those who seek it in faith. The third has to do with wealth. And the, the truth here is that financial struggles force us to rely on God because the truth is that all wealth is temporal. 
This point is going to preach all day long, especially to college students and young professionals. You see, uh, the audience being written about here in the book of James uh, had been taken advantage of time and time again. They were often left with nothing and in need of the basics to even survive. But James reminds them, God is in control of all things, that he is going to bring them through a hard season one way or really another. So the poor should rejoice that God is on the move. But in doing this, they should not try to cozy up to the wealthy and neglect those around them who are in the same position as them. Uh, If they did, they were proving that wealth was their aim and not God. You see, now, wealth is fading. It is here one minute and then dried up the next. I mean, I see this in my own life. One minute I have money and the next it's stolen by my student loans. Uh, But uh, seriously, uh, none of us should pursue wealth uh, or anything temporal in life because our souls are the only thing that is going to get off of this earth. And so to be a fully integrated person within the community of faith means realizing that everything temporal around us must be placed to the side so that our hearts can be fully centered in on God. If we have financial struggles and we are poor, we see that God is going to work in a mighty way for his glory and our good one way or another. If we are celebrating life and the fact that we have financial gain, that is not an excuse to live the way we want, but rather to look around us and see our wealth as temporal and use it as an opportunity to do the most good and to bless people in the name of God. The second, or the... Uh, third thing is that financial struggles force us to rely on God. Uh, the fourth is temptation, really, in verses 12 through 18. And the truth here is that trials and temptation is life's way of trying to convince you that God isn't a good and generous God. This one should feel real to all of us because I believe you've lived enough life to believe this reality. You are going to undergo and probably already have undergone trials in your life but you can endure them with Christ. But in them, you can never look at God and place blame. God does not tempt anyone with evil. He is not connected with evil in any ways. Really, I believe evil exists from three different entities. First, uh, evil exists from Satan. He is a real spiritual adversary that seeks that you would reject God. The second place that evil resides is really within our fallen world. Circumstances under no control uh, that result from selfish decisions, prideful actions, or even happenstance. Lastly, evil exists from within ourselves. I mean, the truth is, we really are our own worst enemy because you know where you're weakest and you will put yourself down in every area that you feel weak more than anybody else in your life. I mean, just think about how you think about yourself. Evil exists within the world around us, not within God. Each person is tempted when he is drawn away, and it says there in verse 14, is enticed by his own evil desires. And so because of this reality, because we exist within a world that is battling against our soul, what does God do? as we uh, constantly try to shift blame and blame God and scream at the sky and shake our fists and say, God, why are you doing this to me? In reality, what God is doing always on our behalf is two things. First, 
He gives us generous, perfect gifts is what we see in verse 17. When we inherited brokenness within our lives, God is generous with perfect gifts. Remember, perfect meaning things that are integrating us closely to look more and more like Christ. So first, we inherit brokenness and God constantly is giving us generous gifts to make us perfected in him. And then when we choose the lies that define our own reality time and time again, God is constantly offering us a new birth by sending us truth and the truth of his son is what we see in verse 18. We constantly will look out and define our existence by the lies that we feed ourselves, that culture feeds us. And yet, Jesus, by living a perfect life, offering himself up as a sacrifice on the cross, allowed us to create a new humanity to look more like him in each and every way. He has given us a new birth to live within truth, not within a subjective reality that we make for ourselves. See, Jesus taught that God is good and generous and that through Jesus we are given a new life where we can face our suffering with total trust in God. Number four, trials and temptation is life way of trying to convince you time and time again that God is not a good and generous God. Number five, uh, as we try to land this plane, the, the, the fifth thing uh, that is being talked about in the book of James, and this is a big one, is that Jesus is worth everything. James 1, verse 1. James, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see in Mark chapter 3 and then uh, later on in that passage as well, in verses 13 through 15 and Mark 3, 20 through 21, you see a part where Jesus is beginning his ministry. And as he's calling the disciples to himself, uh, his mother, his brothers, and his family are attempting to seize him. They're trying to take him away from his purpose, take him away from what he is doing. Uh, The truth is, James probably believed that Jesus was a little bit crazy. Uh, He probably believed uh, he was among his family that was trying to seize him. He probably believed that uh, something was up with Jesus for claiming to be God in the flesh. But what changed? We see in the first chapter of Acts as uh, Jesus has just ascended into heaven and all the disciples are gathered up in the upper room. There are other people there with them, namely Mary, the mother of Jesus, and scripture says in Acts 1.14, also his brothers. This means that James, or Jacob, was in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came. That means that he would have been with the disciples when Jesus ascended into heaven. And so the truth is, how did... James go from thinking that Jesus is crazy and trying to seize him to totally putting his whole life surrounded by the lordship of Christ? Well, the truth is, when you see your brother raised from the dead, things change. So after this, James was all in. He claims here in the very first verse to be a slave or a bondservant of God and Jesus, meaning that he totally subjects everything about himself, his preferences, his biases, his beliefs, everything that makes James who he is, he has now subjected it to the lordship of Christ and desires to live for him fully. He will go to any lengths to share the hope of Christ. And the Christian history proves this as well because we know that James was murdered not terribly long after he wrote this book. 
This, I believe, is a very powerful overtone to the book of James. Jesus is everything. He is more powerful than your circumstances. He is greater than your weaknesses. He is more valuable than money. He is better than any alternative you can think of, and he is worth all of your life. So, as we begin to approach the book of James, may we all encounter this truth. Jesus is worth your sacrifice. Lay down your anxiety. Lay down your personality. Lay down your bitterness. Lay down your knowledge. Lay down your possessions. Lay down your goodness. And draw near to the one who is better. Now, if you're trekking along with what we've been talking about, I said at the very beginning that there are six different truths that are put in the first chapter of James. And so far, we've named five of them. Hope that you guys will tune in next week as we begin to unpack the final truth that is placed in the first chapter of James as he begins to talk about what it means to not only hear the word of God, but to act on it. Hope that you guys will join us there.